This week, we bring you Awakened Church Conference highlights. We bring you a strange encounter and a Q&A section with my wife. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Hey, how's everyone doing? Welcome back to the Radical Road. Yeah, you get to hear my testimony today. Oh, boy. The dirt on the missus. Yeah, it's powerful. This should, be, this should be good. Right. So we're back out on the road, sitting in, where are we sitting? North Dakota. <laughs> Earlier I asked and you said Montana. So I have to uh, bring her up to minute updates as to where we're at all the time. It all starts meshing. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but we're currently in North Dakota, heading across the country. Again, we just left Salt Lake City, spent, how long were we there? Four days. Four days? Yeah. We were in four days in Salt Lake City, and man, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because we got to see all our old friends. Yeah. But we also got to attend our church conference, Mm -hmm. which... We touched on that last episode a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned that we were there, but now we're through this thing. And I'm not even sure if people know what this is, and I'm not even sure if I know how to explain it. What would you say it is? The conference? Yeah. Um, the, the Awaken Conference is just a really powerful four days of um, soaking into the Holy Spirit, I would say. It's, it's um, I'm just going to use some descriptive words. How about that? Some descriptive words? Yes. Okay, go for it. Um, I would say it was simply beautiful. It was revealing, healing, reviving, joyful, peaceful. Just, do you have any words for it? I mean, it was just so powerful. Well, of course, in the middle of the thing, people people keep asking you, like, questions, you know, like, oh, what do you think so far? And what's, what's on your mind? And how are things going? And I'm like, I'm not even sure what to say right now. Um, it's like drinking from a fire hose, but I'm like, I feel like I was just in a 15 round boxing match and not that I'm physically hurt or anything. I'm just tired. I can't lift my arms. I would just want to sit down. I can't sit down. So I just want to lay down. I was so tired. Yeah. It's spiritually and emotionally draining for sure. Well, yeah. And it's not just about people getting up and speaking in front of you, but then collectively as a group, you're just like pouring back and forth into each other. Um, speaking into each other's lives and just a lot of prayer time, um, a lot of prophesying, um, yeah, powerful speakers there. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. So not to get into too many details about it because number one, we want people interested in it and going, Hey, how do I get involved in this? How do I go to it? Maybe we'll get into it some more. Um, because it's going to be like a year and a half before the next one. Right. So they've done it every year in July. Um, and now they're going to change it to January, 2024. Yeah. So they're switching it to the winter time. Um, it's just really hard in the summer with families and kids being out of school. And, you know, a lot of families have their travel plans during the summer. So, and there's just a lot of extracurricular in the summer. So it's really tough. And it's hot. And it's hot. You're in the yes. high mountain desert in Salt Lake City, and plus they have it in San Diego. Yes. Like, it's just hot. 
Yes. And I think that was part of it too. Kind of spread some things around, get out of the heat, yeah. get into a time of the year where, you know, people are more available, I guess, too. But we had some really powerful speakers like Rex Crane. He's the ex-professional baseball player, correct? And that guy's up. Now he's a motivational speaker and he prophesies and does healings. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know the guy that well, but what I do know about him, he pretty much is a professional speaker and business coach. But his passion is ministry, and yeah. the guy has a gift for healing. Mm, big time. Um, yep. Colin Higginbottom spoke, Dr. Pastor Matt Hubbard, Pastor Jurgen Matisius, he's the founder, and Leanne Matisius. Wow, wasn't her message powerful? It's incredible. Wow. I, I, uh, I have to say, that was probably one of the most impactful, got you to the core type of message. I mean, if you want to listen to it, I highly recommend trying to find it if you can online. Well, it was interesting, too, because I had never heard her speak before. That was the first time I've ever heard her give a message. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, everybody's just looking at each other going, wow, wow, wow. Like, yeah. I mean, it was so good. And then... Uh, and then we had Tommy Barnett. Tommy Barnett. 85 years old. Man. What an honor to have him there with us. Yeah, he was incredible. We bought his book. What a just tender, loving man and... The things and the he's, founder of Dream Center. Yeah, the things he's done through his church, through his ministry, just miracles, yeah. just miracle after miracle, just changing people's lives. They have saved so many women out of prostitution yeah. in the cities. The stories are incredible. Yes. Like just crazy, just we're going all in just to save these people, no matter what it takes. Like it's just it blew my mind. I yeah. had no idea they were doing this stuff um, right, then, in, right in Los Angeles. And then we had Pastor Mike Maiden. Yeah, he was really powerful as well. Yeah. He's a prophet. We had a lot of good speakers. It was amazing few days, and then you wrap it up with a church on Sunday. Um, Pastor Mike, Mike Maiden gave the message then, too. And I don't I still, like... I'm still processing it all because it just, it was just, it just kept coming. Like right. it was just so good. But and uh, so for all of you that maybe just joined us and just started listening, um, this Awaken Conference was a non-denominational um, church conference. Yeah. So, And for two people that are out here on the road all the time now doing what we're doing, I mean, this is what we like to do to kind of fill back up, fill back up get around people we know and we trust and just and get ready spiritually for the holy truck to start rolling again yep and get revived get which, revived which coincidentally was the name of the conference revive yes, revive but real quick before we move on like do you have one or two just moments of the conference that this was my takeaway this is what i needed whatever it is real quick what did you get out of it? It was pretty incredible for us, I felt, because we had gotten prophetic words by a few different 
powerful leaders there. Yes. And when, so prophetic, speaking in the prophetic is a gifting that is in the Bible. When you, when someone is highly anointed or very close to the Holy Spirit, they can attain this gifting and it's speaking into people's lives, speaking into the, um, possibly the future or um, it speaks through God, right? They, like the prophetic speaks from God to the people. And Matt and I had actually received prophetic words from a few different powerful leaders in our church. You know, one of the moments was Friday night. We were, when we were just sitting, you know, at the end of the night, people were still up at the altar getting prayer with the ministry. Worship is still up on stage playing. And you and I were just sitting in the chairs, just soaking it all in and enjoying it because that's our home church. And just, just in awe of the day and the conference that day. And um, all of a sudden, one of our friends that works serving the church said, Jess, she called me up to the front. Um, one of the pastors wanted to give us a word. So it's really cool when, you know, they asked for us to come up, right? right. We didn't go to them. They right. asked for us to come up. And so we go up and um, just the beautiful word that he had given us. And then I would say the other moment for me was when the last day we were there, it was actually Sunday after church service and we went up to the altar and one of the uh, leaders that serves within the church that we're friends with as well, just really, it was just a powerful moment of the spirit speaking through him. And I felt like that word was, God was confirming what we're doing on the radical road and just really speaking into what we're doing on the radical road. Yeah, I agree. Cause that was one of the things for me you know, just people speaking into our life, kind of confirming what we're doing, and then just kind of a look ahead to, to, you know, what what's in front of us. So that was awesome. It was powerful, and it was so cool, and just amazing people that really just, you know, take a moment and just kind of step into our life for a minute, and and care about us like. We care about each other and we care about what everybody's doing in our life and speak into that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the other thing for me was I just kind of lately, you know, when we're attending church, I just have really made a point of kind of soaking everything in and then just kind of paying attention as to what is happening, you know, how God is moving through people and... I felt very early on there was a few people that I kind of got latched onto that I really paid closer attention to um, because I knew some things. <laughs> and so just watching from the very first few hours of day one towards the end and the shift that happened in those people and the things that were happening with them, like, it was just so cool to watch. Yeah. And you could tell, like... It's the they, move of God. You could tell they walked out of that conference like a different person. Like, it was just amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you hear the comments as you're going through it um, from these people and things they're processing in their life and things they're doing in their life and how God got in the middle of this stuff and just touched them 
and was present with them and so, seeing what that did, mm-hmm. it, was, it was just cool. And I loved how God used us in various moments throughout the four days to pray with other couples, you know, and for um, him to use us and our giftings to pray and power and authority over the friends, not just out here on the road, but for our actual friends. That was a bonus, right? Right. Because there was no downtime. I mean, conference, I mean... It was a good chunk of the day, but it wasn't all day. All day. We got to spend time with people. Then we're with people and they're going, hey, we really need prayer for this and whatever. And so or sometimes they didn't even ask. So I got to the end. I'm like, this was not a vacation. I need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. Man, it was just go. I'm, I was exhausted coming out of this week. Like, Yeah, we're still unraveling what happened. Yeah. Right? unraveling the words that um, we need to just even discuss what took place because it was so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So Monday morning, we get up super early and, you know, we're getting ready to kind of head out of town, but we were up so early, we decided to take a walk. And in some moment early on the walk, we decided we're going to fast. We're going to pray for some people, but also... Um, for what we're doing. Breakthrough on the radical road. We want to, we just want to like, we want to accelerate what's going on with the radical road. Take it next level. And just go next level with it. Yeah. And you're, you're pretty good at fasting. I'm not so good at it. I mean, I'm good at it. Like I can not eat and that's fine. But after we're done, I feel like I eat twice as much (laughs) As what I would have in the two days that I fasted. <laughs> so now I just feel like a big giant bloated tick. <laughs> Matt, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> well, I couldn't help it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this tastes so good. Let's have some more. Yeah, you but, looked nine months pregnant after you had your first meal. <laughs> I know. So I'm going to have to calm down a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're supposed to do that after fasting. I don't know all the rules. <laughs> so but, when we fast and we get hungry, you know, for food, it's like you replace that with hunger for God, right? Like we're yeah. hungry for him. So we dig into the word more. We dig into worship and prayer more um, so that we can explode the breakthrough that we're looking for. Yeah. If you've never done it, you should try it. Like, it's amazing what just happens, you know, just the way your mind starts working and how things operate in your life. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like it affected me a little bit, too. I'm like, oh, am I paying attention? Like, I'm not even sure what's going on right now. All I can think about is food, but um, (laughs) honestly, it went well. It went well. Um, But it was good. It served its purpose. It served well. It served with the radical road. It served its purpose in a lot of ways. Yes, because we're including some people in our prayers. But in terms of the radical road, you know, we get back on the road. We go pick up. We we picked up this like giant section of like this just monstrous crane. So we have a weight and just like piece of the boom from it, and we get that all taken care of. And we're heading. We head out on the road and. And we're going through Montana, right? Montana. And 
this guy on a motorcycle comes on the on-ramp and he's in front of us. And, you know, I kind of backed off a little bit because I figured he's, you know, the speed limit's 70 for trucks. It's 80 for cars and motorcycles and whatever, everybody else. So I'm thinking he's just going to get in front of me and he's just going to get going. But I found myself kind of coming, you know, creeping up on him back and forth. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to pass him, you know. So I go around him, and as we're going around him, he has, like, a sidecar on his motorcycle. Mm-hmm. He's got two basset hounds in the thing. Oh, my gosh. And they were so cute, and they had these dog goggles on, and they were blue <laughs> dog goggles. So here's their dog ears flapping in the wind, and they got these goggles on. And it's just like what you see on Instagram. Yeah, it was hilarious. And I love, love, love dogs. And, of course, I'm driving, so I'm just trying to get around the guy and just wants a picture. And I'm like, well, you're probably going to get your chance because here we're coming up, up on this big hill, right? So I got in front of him and, and you know, how semis are. You like you get a load on them. They start heading up the hill and they lose speed. So this was a big, long hill. I think I slowed all the way down to 58 miles an hour, probably. But this guy passes us again, and Jess is trying to get a picture of it. But the dogs were down, like laying down in the sidecar. Yeah, they laid down in it. So she's all bummed that she didn't get a picture. And I'm like, well, he's, if he's driving as slow as he was before, once we clear the mountain, we'll probably catch back up at him at, at some point, right? Yeah. So we did. I mean, we came down the mountain and... You know, we gradually catch back up to this guy and, but he kept kind of like speeding up, slowing down, speeding up, slowing down. And, you know, this, by this time I just have my cruise control on, like we're just rolling down the flat stretch of highway, but I got to this point where I'm kind of creeping up on him again. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to move over to the left lane and maybe he'll just back off and we'll go around him. Because it's just annoying. Like, you do the whole thing where you just kind of creep up on people. And so I'm like, I'm just going to go around him. And so I moved over to the left lane. There's, We're in the middle of nowhere. There's, like, no cars on the highway. So I'm just like, if it takes me five miles to get around this guy, it's not going to matter. But when I get on the left lane, I'm starting to inch up. And he, like, stretches his arm out and gives me the big middle finger. And then crams the accelerator and takes off down the highway. Yeah, we got the big bird. The big bird. So we were kind of like looking at each other going, what was that all about? Like it was just kind of out of nowhere. It wasn't like we were, it wasn't like playing games with him or anything. No, there was nothing intentional about what we were doing. We were hoping to get a picture of these dogs with the goggles on. We're like, well, there goes that. (laughs) Because um, they were cute. But we were both just kind of stunned. Like, what was he so upset about? Yeah. It was just kind of bizarre, you know? Yes. So then we have a prayer session, a quite a, quite a long prayer session. We do power praying in the truck every day. And so we did that. And yeah. then Matt said, so hey, then, should we go to this rest stop? Well, I didn't even say anything because I was going to pull off at, there at this rest area anyway. I kind of got a download that said, hey, you need to pull off. And so I can, when you say download, what's that mean? Tell our audience. Um, I just, like, God put it on my heart. He's like, 
you need to, you need to get off here. And I knew what it was about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're going to see this guy. I just know it. Did you know at that point he, he went in there? No, he was so far ahead of us. Right. I didn't know. We like, he took off and plus, you know, there was a section where it was kind of curvy. Right. So you, I didn't, we hadn't seen him for a while. Right. So we pull in to the parking lot. And but park. it, wasn't, it wasn't even that long ago. This guy got on the interstate. So it was kind of weird that he would even get off. But I'm like, God's like, you need to get off here. And you're going to see this guy and you're going to talk to him. So I'm like, oh boy. So we pull in there and I'm just like, I'm just like, I can't believe it. He is in this rest area. Yeah. I knew this was going to happen. So I didn't realize that until I got out of the truck and then I'm walking up to the, use the restroom and I see him off to the side and he's getting water out to feed it or give his dogs water. And I'm like, Matt, there's that guy. And so I walk over to him and I'm walking slow and he's like looking at me. He's got sunglasses on and he's just kind of standing there staring at me. And I put my hand on my heart like and say, hey, I just wanted to come over and tell you I'm sorry. I know you got a little upset at us. Um, that's our truck. And I just want you to know it was purely innocent. Um, it's all my fault. We were just trying to get a picture of your cute dogs because they had the goggles on. And I'm very sorry about that. And he said to me, he said, F- you. And he said it harsher than that. He yelled at me. And I mean, to look at this guy, he has to be in his maybe 60s. And he's got white gray hair pulled back in a pony and just that total black leather biker look. Yeah. And... And I said, hey, I, I'm just, I'm really sorry. And he's like, get the fuck away from me, he says. And I said, okay, okay. And he's like, I got my gun out and everything. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm really sorry, sir. And I turned around and I walked away. So by this time, I'm coming across the parking lot and I could tell something wasn't right. But And I had stayed calm the whole time. Yeah, I mean... No adrenaline running through me. I could just tell that it was God operating in me. Yeah. Like, I was very calm and at peace. And from my perspective, I just got the sense that you're like, all right, this guy doesn't want to talk. I'm just going to remove myself. And that's what I did, yeah. So I'm like, oh no, this is not going down like this. So I walk up there and I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, same thing. He's like, get the fuck away from me. I don't know what you're doing out here i mean every other word was an f-bomb and i go what's the problem you know wasn't trying to do anything intentional to piss you off like i I don't get what's going on here what why what you know what's going on well it's 70 miles an hour out here and i'm going 75 and you're riding up my ass and and then you pass me and then i pass you and then you're trying to pass me again i'm like Okay, I understand what's going on, though. Like, I had my cruise control on. No, you didn't. Just get the away from me. And I go, no, I did. Like, I had my cruise control on, and I said I kept creeping up on you, so I just was going to come out around you, just get around you. These, you fucking guy drivers, you got 80,000 fucking pound rig, and just get the away from me. You don't know who you're messing with. And it's like... 
basically getting to the point where he's threatening me. And so, you know, this kind of went on for a minute, just kind of the same back and forth. I'm like, all right, obviously I'm getting nowhere with this man. So, and I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I went to the bathroom and I don't know. I just couldn't let it go. Couldn't let it go. So I come out of the bathroom and my body's walking to the truck, but I'm looking at him and my brain's just working. And he's just staring me down. So I turned around and started going right at him. So you're saying the Holy Spirit was working through you in that moment? Well, yeah, probably. Um, I don't know. Something compelled me to turn around. Mm -hmm. And course in the moment i'm like i don't even know what i'm thinking about like it's just things are happening right right so i just start going for him and i go what are you so angry about you're driving this and that and blah, blah, like just go and i go no i get all that i said but this is clearly not about me why are you so angry Duh, like same thing just going off dropping f-bombs you're what, talking about my driving and i go no, no no i just told you i understand all that but what i'm asking is why are you so angry like i don't get what's going on this is clearly not about me what are you so angry about screw this da, da. again same thing and i'm like i don't think you're understanding my question like this is not about my driving. I know this is not about me. You don't, you don't even know me. You're sitting here saying I'm a dick and all these, calling me all these names Profanity. and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. you don't even know me. I said, so clearly it's not about me. Why are you so angry? And so he pulls his jacket back and he's got a gun in his belt and he puts his hand on his gun and says, you need to get the fuck away from me right now. So at this point, I'm just like, okay, this is like, could escalate, right? That's what I'm thinking. So I'm like, all right, suit yourself. If this is what you want to do, I'll just go on about my day. So I turned around and I went to the truck. But it was funny because we get in the truck and... You know, I'm thinking a lot of things right out of the gate. I'm a little confused. I'm just like, and I go, this guy was going to pull a gun on me. Like, he literally put his hand on the gun and was going to pull it out if I came any closer. That was radical. It was completely radical. But the radical part of it was, and we talked about this afterwards, you know, Anytime where I've been in a scenario where there's been some type of aggression with another man or anybody for that matter, you know, your heart starts to go a little bit. Mm -hmm. You start to get a little adrenaline. This did not happen at all. Like I was completely calm. I was at peace. And that struck me as interesting immediately. And I got back in the truck and I was like, oh, this is weird. This guy's pulled a gun on me and like, it didn't even bother me. <laughs> That's because God's angel armies were all around us and he was operating through us. 
well, it was interesting later because, of course, we get rolling down the road and we give him a nice, sweet wave. Not the middle finger. We just wave to him goodbye. And I then did, he gave us the bird again. Gave me the bird again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not giving up on you, dude. I know. We immediately start praying for him. Yeah. So we immediately start praying this guy. This guy, huge amounts of anger on him. Total, huge. Total evil spirits on him. So, yeah. I don't know. I just, I had a moment there where I'm just processing and I'm just like, okay, God, what, what just happened? I just asked him, I'm like, God, what the heck just happened? And he's like, this is what I've gotten you ready for. This is, this is where we're at in the world now. Yeah. And I just. For real. And he goes, that man was not going to shoot you. And he said, he wasn't, he's not going to shoot you because you're covered in my blood. Mm. And I was like, whoa. And then I just started crying. Mm. You weren't paying attention. I don't know what you were doing. But mm. I had my arm on the window and I'm driving down the highway. And I was just overcome with sadness for this man. Yeah. Like, I, it was almost like I could feel his sadness on me. And, and it wasn't, and the sadness was from pain, like extreme pain. Well, I had asked God in that moment, too, to reveal to me the pain that was on that man and why. And God had spoke to me and said that he had been in the military and he had some pain from the military that went back to the military days. And that he had a woman in his life that just broke him. And then um, you said you got a revelation too about his parents. Yeah. I just I felt like God was telling me they were just not good people. That they were his awful dad, to him. Dad was abusive and, you know, his mom just kind of played into it because of fear. Yeah. But I don't know. Something. That guy's had some trauma in his life. You can tell. I would love to see him again. I, the whole, I mean, for a couple hours after that happened, I'm just like, am I going to see this guy again? Am I going to see him again? I feel like I want to walk back into that mm -hmm. and finish well, something. I felt like we should have used um, Tommy Barnett's son, Luke Barnett's saying that he had in an instance that was very similar where a man pulled a gun on him and actually put it to his head put it to his head actually and he said it's fine if you shoot me i'm going to heaven because that would be what ha would happen with you and i we'd go to heaven um but if you if if you shoot me you're going to hell yeah so i don't know i've reconciled it because i felt like I was supposed to walk away in that moment that I just needed to see what is really going to happen so that I know how to step into it the next time. Mm -hmm. I found this quote right after that, that I felt like really hit home with this situation. It says, trauma is not about what happens to us, but what we hold in us. Trauma is about a body that is stuck in the past. Right. Yeah, that, uh, that guy's holding some stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, 
we commented, we brought, we, you actually put a message out and kind of put a quick note of what happened and immediately some people reached out to us and they started praying for this guy. Yeah, we wanted to get prayer over him. So we, we have a prayer, we have prayer warriors that also are, you know, praying too when we come across these sort of situations. So, yeah. yeah. But we both looked at each other and said, well, that was a level up of intensity. (laughs) So here we go. Radical road. Look what the fasting brought. (laughs) Let's go radical road. Let's go radical road. All right. So moving on before we get too deep here, because we need to talk about you. Me? Yeah. Yes. Get some dirt on you. So, So, you know, a few episodes back, we kind of talked about some of the things in my life, a little bit of my story. And, and I don't know, we just felt like it was the time to bring a little bit of your story, kind of share some things and part of your testimony, so to speak. And, you know, I think we're, where we want to jump in is, you know, that time kind of leading up to the point of where in your first marriage, you're like, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to touch on that too much, but where, what was going on? What made you decide this is something I can't be in anymore? In my first marriage, um, I was actually married to a narcissist. And so there was a lot of um, no physical pain, but a lot of emotional and verbal abuse. So it got to a point where when you're married to someone like that for as many years as I was, I was married for 13 years to this man and we were together 19 years, but it will make you start going crazy. It makes you feel like you're going crazy um, because they're master manipulators. They're, they're liars. Um, They're cheats. And so it just makes you feel like you're going crazy. Um, and so I got to the point where I, I, I reflected and I was like, who is this person? I don't even know who I am anymore. And I hated myself. Like when you get to the point where you hate yourself and you hate everyone around you and you've like pushed everyone else out of your life, like they don't even want to be around you. Then, you know, like. I can't operate like this. I've lost myself. And, you know, I had this 14 year old daughter at the time and it was beginning to affect, you know, her atmosphere, her environment. Although I hid as much as I could of everything that happened to me from her. So, um, when I actually said I wanted a divorce, I would say everyone was shocked. I owned a salon and spa at the time Um, I had a salon spa for 10 years. I had been doing hair for probably 17 years up to that point. And, you know, because I carried that burden, I didn't want to put that burden on everyone else around me. So I did a good job of hiding it most of the time to the outside world. Speaking of like uh, my career, um, friends, our daughter, um, people that were closest to me, like family, they, of course, like I said, knew I wasn't the same. 
and I was pushing them away, but I did a really good job or the best job I could at hiding what I was dealing with. So I'm curious because I know you and of course we've been together a while now and we're the strong Christian couple. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned before that he wasn't full faith, however you want to put that. Mm -hmm. Where was your faith at in this when you got towards the end um, and decided I'm, I'm going to, I'm stepping away from this marriage. We're like, mm-hmm. we still going to church. Like what, where were you at with that? Good question. So yeah, I was actually attending church on my own. He was not. Um, so I was raised in a non-denominational church, very charismatic. He was raised in a Catholic environment, went to Catholic school. Um, he used to say, uh, I would go to church just to fall asleep again. So, you know, when he went to church, it was because I was forcing him or I was asking him, like it felt forced. Yeah. Like, so I just stopped asking him at a certain point. But you felt like you maintained a relationship with Christ I through the inter- absolutely derby. did. And I was absolutely pressing in at the end because I wanted my marriage saved. Who wants a divorce? Right. right? And so I was absolutely pushing in, um, pressing in, worshiping a lot. Um, and so, but when I got, when I actually went through the separation, I think I went through so much guilt of going through a separation and a divorce because, you know, biblically you read about divorce and you're not supposed to get a divorce. Like, so I felt very guilty. And so I stopped going to church. I put God up on a shelf. Like immediately? Yeah. Like I was, I would just, I was angry. Like I felt like my marriage wasn't saved. And so I was blaming God. But at that moment in time, I didn't realize that there's two spiritual realms. There's God and then there's Satan. Like I wasn't thinking, I mean, I knew that there was a Satan. I knew that there's hell, but I didn't know that Satan was at work in my life. Right. Right. I was blaming God. And a lot of times that was what we do. We want to blame God when bad things happen to us. But actually, Satan was very much in the middle of my marriage. I was just curious because I know, you know, once you got to the point where you determined I'm done, I can't take any more abuse, I'm leaving, you walk out the door, you're actually the one that left the house and things got ugly quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I left because I didn't have a choice. I mean, when you're dealing with narcissism with someone, he already had a plan. Like he had a plan of attack before I even um, asked for the divorce. And so, and he would make that very clear and you know, prior to that, that if you ever divorce me, I will do this. If you ever divorce me, I will do this. Like, so it was something that he had been planning for a long time before. And, um, he said, I will never leave. We had built a brand new house, um, a year before, two years before. I can't remember how long it was, but it was a newer home. Beautiful. And he said, I will never leave this home. You will leave. And so I knew that If I was going to stay in that home, I was going to have to call the police. It was going to be a big scene. There was going to be a, or there's going to be a big process with court. My daughter was going to have to go through that. And I didn't want to have to put her in the middle of that. 
that was my mentality because I was a child in the middle of a divorce. And so the way my mind was operating was I was trying really hard to not put her in the middle because I'd been there. Right. And so hindsight, I should have stayed in the house, um, but I didn't. Right. Because he kind of used your daughter as a pawn. He did. So with narcissism, um, when you go through a divorce and you research um, the way they behave, they will alienate your children from you. So he, they play games. And so he totally alienated our 14-year-old daughter from me. So in other words, I left. I went and moved in with my folks, which lived a mile away. I told our daughter to come with me. And he had already gotten to her. And she was like, I'm not coming. I'm not going. I'm staying here with dad. Right. And so when I then said, okay, well, you're coming to stay with me the beginning of next week. I called her and she wouldn't answer her phone. So every time I would call her cell phone, she wouldn't answer. And so then I would call him and say, let me talk to Ellie, our daughter. And he'd say, F you. She don't want to talk to you. You're not going to talk to her. And so I had no way to communicate with her. I stopped by the house several times and they were always gone. So he kept her from me. He alienated her from me. And obviously this is a piece that played into all the emotions and stuff too. You know, you're getting divorced. You're having all these thoughts and things around God. Your daughter gets basically removed from you, blocked from you. Like, where were you at? Where's your head at? What'd you do? (laughs) So, um, it's hard enough when you go through a divorce because if you've ever been through one, your whole world shifts, you know, your friendships shift, you're grieving that alone because it's a season and a time in your life that's now never going to be the same. But then to have your only daughter alienated from you and ripped from your life when like she was my life. Right. Like I took her to all of her extracurricular, like I spent a good majority of time with her. I volunteered at her school. I just like, she was my life. I mean, her and I were sidekicks. And so when she finally gets her dad's attention after all this time, soaked it up. She loved it. She loved her dad's attention. And so I don't blame her at all. She didn't even realize at 14 years old what was going on. She didn't realize the games that were being played. And her and I have had so much healing over this and her and I have talked through it and she knows that there's no blame. Um, and we've just had so much resolution from it and so much healing from it, from that time, um, in our lives. But I just went through a major depression, like probably the biggest depression I'd ever gone through in my entire life. I'd put God up on the shelf. I started filling a void. So I started drinking a lot, like more than I'd ever drank. Um, and that was kind of starting before I told him I wanted a divorce, but then it really got bad when he ripped her from me. I was really 
get done with work at the salon and I'd go find some little bar to hang out with new people or, you know, whatever. I was filling a void. I, I, I was trying to numb myself. And I even, for the first time in my life, thought, not about killing myself, but maybe if I just run away, everyone would be happier without me. Yeah. You know, maybe life would be better without me in the equation. Like running away was an option that at that point, and that's such a cop out. And well, I remember when I was going through my divorce, like I just felt like there was judgment all over me too. It, I felt like everyone I talked to was just judging me and they weren't, they weren't. That's just how I was seeing it. Right. So I think that comes into play too, where how you get into that mindset of, oh, maybe it'd be better if I just went to another state or another country or something. Part of it is you think everybody is looking at you negatively because of what's happening in your life. There's a lot of shame around it. Um, and you're correct. You think that, but it also, it was happening in my world because I was a business owner and of one of the, um, top salon and spas in the city that I lived in. And so I was in, I was highlighted, you know, I was, everyone knew me. I grew up, um, I came from big, a big family. He knew everyone. He, we, we owned two businesses at that time, his business and my salon spa. And so, and we were just uh, really well known in our community. And so, and then you, of course I had hundreds of clients that I had retained. And so, you know, you have, I mean, and people in salons are gossipy. So then you have like <laughs> all this talk and right. the lies that were flying and the rumors that were spread. And, you know, I really tried to do a good job of just keeping my mouth shut to yep. the best of my ability. Um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to say too much and badmouth him too much at that point because that was my daughter's father. Right. Right. But he was doing a good job on the other side of it. Um, and so there's a lot of people saying a lot of ugly things. Yeah, there was. And so that's what I think made me want to just eliminate myself from it. Like, cause no one knew what was going on inside of my four walls before before the announcement of the divorce. And I think we all need to remind ourselves of that. When you know people going through a divorce, you don't know what's going on inside of their four walls. Right. So it's best just to keep your judgments and your gossip to yourself because nobody knows but those two people that are actually going through it. Right. So moving forward a little bit, you kind of get in this funk. Drinking is a part of it. You're numbing yourself mm -hmm. and everything comes to head in one night, basically. Tell me about that night. And mind you, I'm being persistent. I'm contacting my daughter every single day. I'm trying to call her every day, trying to um, somehow being her life, right? Like I'm like, and I told her this one night, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm your mom. I'm going to be like the, the, the fly that's like just won't leave you alone. Right. And you just want to take the fly swatter and just swat it because it's annoying you so bad. I'm just that fly. I'm never going to leave you alone, Ellie. I love you so much. So I'm so grateful that 
I never gave up on her. I never gave up on her. But because I was going through so much and I was drinking so much and I was just living life. I was living life trying to, trying to avoid what was really going on with me. So I was trying to make myself feel good. And so I went out one night um, with a girlfriend and went to this place and there was two for ones. It was a Friday night. No, Saturday night. Sorry, it was Saturday night. It was two for ones. And um, so her and I had drinks. And then I got into my Jeep and I drove. I drove after drinking. And so as we're driving, I realized I forget my cell phone at this bar. So I I, am trying to feel for my phone to see if it's behind my seat, like kind of reaching my arm back. And as I did that, I yanked the steering wheel too far and I hit, uh, it's a brick stand, um, like a brick column for a mailbox. And I, my Jeep hits that straight on and bricks come flying up into the windshield and they bust my windshield and they hit every single area, but where her and I's heads are. And so when I do that, I, tr- I counter correct and I go the other direction and I almost hit some trees. So I didn't want to hurt my, my friend. And so I went back the other direction. And by this time, the couple that owned the home where I hit the mailbox is standing outside and I almost hit a tree head on. And it would have been me hitting the, like on my side, the driver's side, I almost hit the tree head on. And I swerved just in time to miss it. And I ended up coming up to a stop sign and hitting a stop sign. Um, Our airbags deploy. We get out of the vehicle. Neither one of us have a single scratch on us. And the police, you can hear the sirens, they're already on their way. And um, I got a woman in the neighborhood screaming at me. She thinks I'm gonna run. Well, I'm not gonna go anywhere. So end up, um, the cops come and they arrest me and I spent the night, I spent the night in jail and I woke up the next morning and looked in the room and realized where I was at. And there was, the room was full of, you know, you have drug, drug addicted women that are cracked out in my room you had all kinds, but I had women, a woman in there that was actually, you know, puking and pooping at the same time because she was coming off of her high and I'm sitting there and I'm just sobbing and I'm praying. I'm instantly praying and I'm saying, God, who am I? Who is this person? I don't even know who I am anymore. This is not who you created me to be. Like, this is the first time in my entire life that I steered away from God. And it was like, he showed me this trash barrel and how I started at the top and I just swirled my way down to darkness until I hit the very bottom. And he said, I allowed you to do that. I allowed Satan to do what he did. Your free will was in place. And I allowed you to hit the bottom because I wanted to wake you up and let you know that I'm the one in control, not you. That I have a calling on your life and I'm in control, not you. And 
I just asked for forgiveness and I thanked him for not killing anyone. And I thanked him for not, for me not dying because my daughter needed me. And then instantly I thought of Ellie and I thought how much of an embarrassment I was for her, how disappointing I am for her. Um, and I was already struggling to get her into my life. And now it was going to be really difficult to get her into my life. Yeah. I, I think about that. I can't even picture you getting arrested. <laughs> now we joke about it because he's never <laughs> been through anything like that. If any of uh, if either of us should have ever been arrested, it should have been me. I should have been the run <laughs> arrested. And they literally handcuffed you. Not like AOC handcuffing. Like actual handcuffing. No, actually, the only welts I had were from the police officer grabbing my arm so hard to put the um, handcuffs off. And now let me tell you, I love police officers. So this is not bashing police officers. I think it was just, it was just the heat of the moment, right? It was just grabbed my arms. I had a welt, but no, not a mark from the accident, but. I will say at that time I was taking tennis lessons at the country club from a tennis pro and it just so happens that the tennis pros friends were the owner of the home where I hid the mailbox and they were the ones that stood outside and they said we literally watched her almost hit a tree head on and die like she turned just in time. And that right there tells you that God's angels were all around me and that there's purpose on my life. And, you know, I think what I learned from that is, I, you know, it's, it's made public. When you do something like that, it's made public. I had to, because I was in the limelight of that city, I had to take ownership. Right. You know, I had to sit and take ownership. I wasn't a victim. I didn't make excuses. I did what I did. I made that choice and it was a really bad choice. And will I ever do that again? Absolutely not. Will I ever drink and drive again? Absolutely not. Do I know my limit? I'm a Christian. I know my limit. <laughs> yeah. So you wake up in jail and now you have a choice in front of you now. So where'd you, where'd you go from there? get out of jail, mm -hmm. what, like what's going through your head? What are you thinking in terms of, oh, I need to redeem myself. I need to apologize to people. Like, where'd you go from there? Well, my mom picked me up and my mom's so um, loving. My mom's just got this heart of gold. I mean, she's not going to go, oh, what you did was okay. She's not going to affirm it, but she's going to go, I'm going to be here for you. Right. And that's what I needed at that moment. I needed love. I needed her to be there for me. And she was. So she took me back to my um, salon. Um, my condo was above the salon. And I walk in the salon. It's a Saturday. Salon's closing up. There's only one stylist left. Um, no clients in there. And the one stylist out of all 15 that I had, um, she was a Christian. She was a believer. And so I walked in and I felt dirty. I felt gross. I felt dirty. I felt just humiliated. 
And I sat down and I just told her what happened. And she looked at me and she said, and I needed this, that iron that sharpens iron. And she said, Jess, she said, who are you? She said, you're not the owner that hired me. The owner that hired me has so much faith in Jesus. And you, you were just so different when you hired me than you, than you are at this moment in time. Like, what's happened to you? And, you know, because of going through an ugly divorce and the alienation of my daughter, my one and only daughter, you know, it was like a death to me. And so it made me crazy. It made me change. And so I said to her, you're right. Like I've lost where I'm at with Jesus. I have. And she goes, you know, there's a church down the street, a new one. You should try it out. So that next morning on a Sunday, I actually walked then to church and the message was about Saul and how, you know, how awful Saul was in the Bible, but how much God still loved him and had mercy on him and grace for him. And I just weeped because I thought this story is for me. Like God has mercy for me. He has grace for me right? He, and he can forgive me for what I did. And so when, when service was over, I walked up to the altar and I had, um, the ministry team pray with me and I just rededicated my life over to Christ. And I asked for forgiveness and, you know, I have redempt, I had redemption in that moment. I was a new person and I never, I never went back to old Jess. I never, I took God back off the shelf, blew off the dust and gave him a big hug and like have never let him go. And it's like, I got myself back again too. who he created me to be the daughter. He created me to be. That's an amazing story. Um, for so many reasons. Um, and of course I come later in the picture I don't even know if it was a year later, was it? It wasn't quite a year later. I think it was a year. Year. Mm -hmm. So for me to hear the story and where you were at then and see you now, are you you amazed like where you're at now compared to then? Like what's that journey been like? Totally amazed. I mean, as I've said in one of the other old episodes, I grew up a Christian. I mean, I was raised in church, so I've always had an immense amount of faith. Um, Jesus is where I get every ounce of every being, part of my being from, like my confidence, my, I mean, everything. Um, But I did some amazing things prior to that moment, like going on a mission trip to Venezuela, Um, you know, I could go on and on and on for another episode, but to what I would say after that moment, I spiritually grew. Yeah. Like spiritually grew. I knew my relationship in the Holy Spirit after that. And I feel like he has continually taken me deeper into new levels of who I am in him. You know, he uses us the ones that are messiest, right? Like he uses my testimony 
And even at the last church that we were at, when we would be praying with people, they had, I prayed with people that had addictions and I could use my story. And they felt like you get it. You understand me. Right. Right. Um, even though I didn't necessarily have an addiction for a long period of time, it controlled me for a little period of time, but, um, I, I understood. And so I think that's why we often get redeemed from those kinds of things so that we can turn around and use that testimony. So I think it's, I'm definitely not the same. And I've had a lot of, you know, freedom and deliverance prayed over me to remove all the old. Well, you bring that up and in the middle of this, I'm kind of thinking, because I see us now as a couple, but a lot of people don't know, you know, when we first got together, there was some tense moments early on because we were both in like a major healing time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I look back on it and it's like, you bring two people together in that moment. It's probably not the best scenario to create a relationship around. Um, because we both had some brokenness still. Like I remember, I remember it very distinctly and there was definite moments where I think both of us were like, okay, we just need to step away from this. We're not healed yet. We're not, we can't create a good relationship if we're both still broken. And we, I I know I almost walked away from it for no other reason than I just saw the brokenness on myself. But God had a different plan, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) God had revealed to us a year ago at the conference 2021 and said, I put you two together. Do you know why I put you two together? And you had asked him why. And he had said, because Matt, you needed to find your light, meaning him, and Jess needed to find her light all over again. And so now you two are, are my lights that shine so bright and so powerful together. So he had a plan and a purpose for putting us together. Yeah. And it's a good story. And we prayed for each other. We have an amazing testimony for we people. Do. And, we do. Uh, it relates to people. And it's okay. Like, it's okay to have things in your past. And it's okay to have brokenness. And to not be ashamed. Yeah. You know, shame is from the devil. And you should not walk in shame. You should share your story because you sharing your story could actually heal someone else's story. We rise again. We, I, yes, we, we still rise. You know, it's just like when Jesus died, you know, he went through the ultimate, he went through the worst of the worst, that man, and he still rose from the dead. Right. And so I think about that, like when I've gone through some of my worst moments in time, I can rise. I can rise because if Jesus can rise, we can rise. Yes. And I mean, this is for everybody. I mean, we were both in the muck. We rose again because we put Christ at the center of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we got people coming up to us now saying, you guys are a power couple. 
And I'm just like, I'm stunned. It stuns me. But don't you just said it. It's because we put Christ at the center. And when you put Christ at the center, you, it, peace just naturally comes after, right? Like you just walk in peace there. You don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's beautiful because you don't have to worry about, you know, constantly falling and sinning. You want to do better. You want to be better. You want that peace. Yep. And so. now we're using this to benefit other people's lives. And yeah. it's just so much fun. It's so much it's fun. It's so much fun. Like, I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> Which is yeah. why we're out here. Yes. We're on, on the radical road. We're on the radical road. Yes. It's an amazing story. I'm glad I got to interview you on our show. <laughs> yes. And I hope that if any of you have any questions for me, or want to share your story with me and Matt as well, please email us at Matt and Jess at on the radical road.com. And we would love to hear your story. And, um, again, if you have any questions or even if you have any prayer requests, we would love to pray over you. Yes. So we're done for now. We got to get back on the road. Oh, and don't forget you need to purchase your giddy up. Oh, here we go. Your code is TRR. I think it stands for the Radical Road. Yes. So if you want a discount, put your code in TRR. You can go to our Instagram and under the affiliates highlight, you can find the link and the code in there as well. Yes. So. I love how you snuck that in there again. Giddy up. Good job. (laughs) Yes. All right. Let's giddy up out of here. Let's go back on the road. Bye, all. We'll see you on the road.